One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off. bluenile.com code LISTEN. Welcome to the Capital Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, an investment platform focused on democratizing private equity by providing individuals access to direct opportunities. To learn more about the firm in the Capital Club community, visit our website at www.excelsiorgp.com and connect with Brian on LinkedIn. Hello and welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. Today I have with me Olivia Summerhill. Olivia is a consultant for ultra high net worth women who need an expert to help them navigate the financial complexities of divorce. Olivia, thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. So timing here is interesting. I work in my day job with a lot of mid to late 20-year-olds and many of them are going through their engagement wedding process. And I don't offer free advice, but as a recovering attorney, I can't help myself but say, please very strongly consider having a prenup done and getting your wills done right away after you tie the knot kind of deal. And it's interesting. I get a lot of pushback on both of those fronts. And I'm not sure if it's a generational thing, or if I'm just ham-fisted about the way that I approach them on this, given your focus and your world, what is, do you see, I mean, percentage-wise, anecdotally, do a lot of your clients have prenups and do they have wills already in place or no? Let's start with the fact that it's not you doing it wrong. You're doing a great job. So you're the one who's actually doing it correctly by asking and bringing it up. It is a shame that it is such a taboo topic and it's all generations. So I see it in every segment and ultra high net worth. And especially you see it in all categories of wealth. And for me, I do see that it's still a stigma, even in ultra high net worth. And when I'm talking about it, I'm usually in the divorce process with the women and then talking about post-divorce and then post-divorce love again. 
So in the time zone of ending a relationship, getting to a new one, they're still hesitant. In financial psychology, there's a lot of work being done on making it more normalized. So I'm liking where we're headed. But unless we have people like you, Brian, and myself who bring it up, get prenups, talk about the wills, estate planning, it's still very difficult for people in new relationships or who are about to get married or just got married to get a prenup, postnup, will, and execute all of that together. Finances are not fun to talk about. Let's just admit that for most people. For me... It's a pleasure, but it's it's not normal. And my line is, of course, it's uncomfortable. My line is, if you're not at a place emotionally and maturation-wise that you can have a conversation with your significant other about what's going to happen with your finances, your children, your estate, you're probably not at a place where you should be getting married. <laughs> and I'm not saying that you have to have a prenup. But if you can't even engage in this conversation, then you should probably rethink this major decision you're making in your life. I agree. I think it's twofold. It's that. It's not being able to have that mature conversation about money. And it's a scary topic. And it's also, if you think about an ultra high net worth, the shame around families and then wanting certain things for you and not wanting to, maybe there's secrecy still around the new person that's bringing in. So there's shame around, I don't know how to handle the conflict with family and my new love. New being, it could be, you know, five, 10 year relationship, but you're about to start a new chapter and start that marriage. So it really goes, it's a holistic approach of where is everything coming from and where are they hearing stuff from? And until we normalize the conversation, yeah, I think people are still going to be hesitant, even with really good advice like you're giving. So let's get into where you play in this theater of life. You get involved, I assume, when divorce is already pending. Is that correct? Is that the typical fact pattern? It's quite shocking that a lot of times I get calls asking, I don't know what to do. I'm about to get divorced. I want to get divorced, or I think he's already planning to get divorced from me. I want to kind of project what's going to happen. And so they want more of the control and ask questions before the the process. But typically when I'm actually involved, so I'll do a consult, I'll help get their team together. Let's just say they need the right people around. I'll do that side. And then, yes, they normally get me involved during the divorce process because that's where a lot of the red flags are, the mistakes are made financially, and I help with that. (laughs) So the analogy I use typically, again, from my legal background, a litigator will always say that these problems could have been solved by a corporate attorney before this conflict had occurred. You come in probably midstream, but if you were to give advice to people listening just best practices before you get to that. What are some things that you know women especially should be thinking about putting into place, even if, if divorce is not even prospect at any given time? Okay, so let's just pretend no one's getting divorced. No one's thinking about it. But to protect yourself, let's just have that conversation today is the best things that you can do to prepare yourself, whether you're a male or female is literally talk about your emotional feelings towards money and really uncover how you relate to money from your childhood. You have a lot of theories about what you think money is about. You know, money doesn't grow on trees might be one, or it might be it's controlling or it's power, whatever it may be. 
You got to know yourself around money and talk about it. So if you're in a relationship, no one wants to get divorced, but 50% of us do. So let's actually, let's cut that down if we can and talk about money. So whatever fears you have, whatever shame you might have, whatever power money issues you might think you have, talk about it with either your significant other, friends, have an open conversation with your therapist. That's the best piece of advice that I give people is there's no reason not to. Because a lot of times people come to me and they're asking me questions about, I think that he might be that I should know more about the finances and I don't know anything. My head's in the sand. You can fix a lot of these things and not get divorced or not go into a relationship in the wrong way if you talk about money and your fears around them. So that's the best. And if we want to go the nitty gritty and my, I'll get into that in a moment. There we go. My screen is now clear. You could see me. If we want to get into the actual how to plan before you actually get divorced or some tips around that, always make sure you understand the finances and your relationship. Most, I would say 95% of women who come to me have no clue where the accounts are. They don't know anything. The best thing to do is talk to either your financial planner advisor or your wealth manager, CPA, accountant, even talking to someone like your estate planner. Those people will get you into the conversation, bring you into the room, bring you up to speed and have you feel more comfortable around what's going on financially. And if that's not doable, look at the tax return. I mean, that's another thing I could talk about this all day is a lot of times either women aren't signing the tax returns or they're signing it and not looking at it. That's a good place to start to see where your accounts are and get the right professionals involved to understand what a tax return is and how to find accounts and understand where your accounts are and the basics. If that helps, I can go on a lot more if you want some more tips. No, I think that's helpful. It's all under this umbrella of just educating yourself about what the current status is, right? And why is it, you mentioned this, that oftentimes you said 95% of your clients come to you, they don't really understand where the bodies are buried. Do you think that in your experience is a function of (laughs) husbands doing it on purpose? Or is it just emotionally, mentally, experientially, women don't feel comfortable making the ask? I love this question. I was actually going to bring up that it is almost every time if I could come in before the divorce, before years before I, that's kind of my trajectory of where I want to go is helping way years in advance and no one ever gets divorced in ultra high net worth situations because a lot of this can be fixed. It's not the man who's trying to be bullying, power hungry, the finances. It is just how we're trained and It's still a stigma in our culture of, okay, well, we believe as women, there's a study recently done that I think it was 87% of women who are highly educated still believe that in their relationship, the men are more confident. And so they hand over the finances to the men in the relationship, thinking they're better off. So putting their head in the sand, thinking that the other is going to be more confident when in reality, they just need to understand the basics a little bit more, have a little more financial education so it's on the women too. That's what I'm trying to say is it's not a lot of the times it's not the men who are trying to hide or control the money. It's kind of the way things have been done and we're allowing that role to continue. And that's 
it's the sad part is in the divorce, it just all hits right then. And then the real bad, big emotions come through. So if we can avoid that, yeah, absolutely. So the best thing to do is talk about it together. Talk about your emotions with finances. Talk about what you grew up learning. Oh, women shouldn't be dealing with the finances. You always saw your dad doing the money work and whatever it may be, if that's the path you're on. When you're thinking about like the people at the kitchen table that you need to have when you're making these big decisions, you think CPA, lawyer, et cetera. But I increasingly think that, to your point, every household should have some kind of family or individual therapist or financial therapist in the room as well. What's the right way and best practice to, to bring folks like that in so that you can hopefully avoid these problems down the road. I can only imagine it's like almost every single other one. There's some feelings that were missed, some communications that were crossed incorrectly, secrecy, as well as a lot of other things that went on that were not addressed appropriately is what I'm assuming from my experience. That's We could go into what happened there, but what I would say is how to do it correctly is to just communicate So if you're about to be getting married, let's just talk to that person who's listening right now, who's in a a uber wealthy relationship. They're the one, let's just say is a little less affluent going into that relationship with the family who's going to have all their opinions, who wants the prenup. Talking about your fears and what's going on internally and saying where you came from and asking, can we bring in some other team members so that this is successful for everyone? Because it is, let's face it. I mean, money is in every single second of our days and we want that relationship to be successful, but also the family to be successful. And family is second, third cousins, whoever is relating to the trust funds, the money. So if we can bring in either a money coach or a financial therapist, someone who understands the emotional aspects and the backgrounds and the patterns and behaviors and how we all get to where we are, everyone in the room, including the family members, whoever may that be, it's going to, it's going to go a lot smoother. So I like these questions a lot. So let's move on down the road to when you get engaged during the pendency of a a divorce proceeding or uh, they're just starting this process. Again, what are the first few things that individuals should do? And what are some things more importantly that they should not do when they're in the pendency of the process? Okay. So if I understood correctly, because I see this often where there's a divorce proceeding and then there's a new relationship happening already, because it's, let's just say it's a long-term divorce proceeding. They're already separated and there's a new engagement. Is that what I'm understanding correctly? I mean, regardless of whether or not there's a new engagement, but just if you're in the middle of this process and you get a phone call from financial advisor saying, Hey, uh, this client needs help. Like what are the first things that you do in terms of crisis management, the first initial steps? How do you operate within that sense? Got it. Okay. So if you are in the midst of turmoil within the finances, the first thing that I want to do is get a sense of a conversation on where you're at in, in your mind. So where are you grounded? Where are you taking steps to actually fulfill your life's just basic needs? Because you're not going to be able to hear any of my advice and actually get to the next level and the next stages in your life if you're not meeting your basic needs. So I like to start with a phone call, conversation. Where are they at? Are they feeling safe? 
as well as are they getting their basic needs met? And where can they outsource some things? And the first question I always ask, and if anyone here is a professional advisor, whatever, wherever you have clients, a first conversation question I always ask is, where do you not want to be in five years? That's, I understand who they are, where they don't want to be. And that usually the trust and the momentum for them to be able to share a lot of other things going on. And that leads me to helping them with, okay, well, now we need to understand your values. That's really quickly what I go into. And that's to me, if you don't know where you want to be, and if you don't know your values and goals, you're not going to be able to financially be successful. Whereas if you're in a divorce, if you're in a new engagement, if you're single and you're just trying to earn more money, but you don't know why you're driven to earn more money. All these questions can be answered if you know your values. So I I play a values game and usually that's right up at the very beginning. And if it's in a big divorce proceeding and I come in in the midst of it, then there's some tactics that I definitely bring in, which is, do you actually know where the accounts are? Do we need to start doing that forensic stuff right now? Do I need to start helping you with annual credit report where it's getting your credit scores and getting to see where the mistakes are, what accounts you might have that you never knew you had? You could do a lot online with seeing where everything is without uncovering it by talking to the other party. So it just depends. And then we talk about accounts and do we need to have independent structures set around? And then I bring in the right people. So that a lot of times there's trust officers, very good CPAs, celebrity attorneys, all the good stuff that I bring in. Want to learn more about investing in alternatives? Get started by joining the Capital Club, where you'll get exclusive access to alternative investment opportunities, premium content and education, and an affinity peer-to-peer network of industry professionals. You can sign up by going to our website at www.excelsiorgp.com. Yeah, I would think that the bulk of your work is probably more on the emotional, mental, therapeutic side, because I could envision scenarios where, let's talk about women, since that's your Mm -hmm. concentration for the most part of your clients. Many of them are very well-educated. They probably had a professional career at some point, and then at some point they stopped that career. And I would assume there's a lot of regret, self-hatred, just disengagement with the current situation that they were allowed themselves to get into this place where they don't have control. They feel like they don't have resources, et cetera. And so I'm sure you've got to work, help them work through that initial terror phase, and then you can actually make some strategic decisions about what to do next, right? Yes. So when we go through that values decision and talking through where they want to be and getting to know who they are at their core identity, that takes a while because they are going from, hey, I was a powerhouse lawyer to stay-at-home mom for 15, 16 years to now all of a sudden everything is taken, the rug is taken from underneath me. I don't know where I am, who I am. So once we have those conversations and really get in depth on who they are, they're working with a therapist as well, then we can move forward with making the options and the decisions. Because a lot of the times what I see is the first few sessions or or conversations is I have to keep the houses. I got to keep this and that. And once we understand where they're coming from and get that emotional foundation back, Then we can say, logically, does it make sense to have this or that? 
where do we want to take the options financially in the divorce proceedings or post-divorce? Because that, that's a lot of my job too, is setting expectations. I'm collaboratively trained. So I work as a neutral if needed, but I really love the advocacy of helping change that trajectory for women on, hey, that expectation of you get to keep the seven houses. Let's dive into why that is so ingrained right now. Like what is that stability? Is that safety? What else is going on on why you're wanting these things? And let's really understand the options a little differently. So we can change that expectation if we need to. And so then let's talk about kind of post-divorce. What are not necessarily tips per se, but things to really be wary of where you've seen women in particular have success or have failure post-divorce? This is helpful for anyone listening, male or female, because a lot of the times I see women jumping into another love situation. That is, I did not expect that years ago starting this. I was not expecting that, but it is something that if you don't work on your money behaviors, you're going to try to jump to the next person who can help you with your money behaviors. The exact same situation is going to happen again. So that's something I see happen really often too quickly if they're not working with someone like myself. So that's something that first right off the bat is don't jump into relationship till you've done the work on yourself and you know where you are financially and just emotionally. And then I also see where they want to make a decision really quickly post-divorce, like sell the house or buy another house, big decisions, or I'm going to do this with the plane or the yacht, whatever it may be. Those financial decisions take six months to not move, not get into a big relationship. I don't like saying six months, like the time frame is different for everyone, but at least give yourself a little distance from post-divorce to creating that new identity and working on yourself. Financially, it's not going to help you out by getting into a relationship too fast. And it's not going to help you out if you move to try to not address your emotional situation and needs. Yeah, I was going to ask if you have some kind of, <laughs> obviously... You can't control emotions, but some type of prohibition on any major decision making, it sounds like you do. And it makes a lot of sense. I can, I can understand that they've probably defined themselves in many ways through their spouse's success or through their children or through their material goods. And they probably haven't spent a lot of time on who they are and what mm -hmm. they actually want ultimately, right? And getting back on that hedonic treadmill right away is probably a pretty dangerous thing. And let's face it that a lot of the times the expectation that they are going to be a stay-at-home mom forever might not be the reality anymore. So bringing in career coaches or talking about next steps and what is their real passions, what do they want to do for work if they have to work or, and when I say have to work at certain levels, it's more of a, we're going to change a few things here. Let's get another nanny so you can do something outside of the house at this time because it's right now they're about to go to college, whatever it may be in the divorce proceedings, having conversations sooner than later about setting expectations is important because yeah, it's a total life-changing, identity-changing post-divorce that no one really is prepared for. So it's good to have team members walk you through it. And I also give, I have a special line that, I have my clients text me, call me and leave voicemails. So if they're in a divorce proceeding that I'm not involved in that day on a Zoom, let's just say they're meeting with their mediator or lawyer, I have them know that they can pause, 
get off the Zoom meeting. If they're angry, text me. Don't do something in writing. So that's another tip that I love sharing. I don't know who you are, who's listening, but do not have anything in writing. It does not help you. It does not help the other party in divorce. Anything with finances elevates our emotions. When we're trying to get things through, I like to bring our emotions down and see it from all points of view. But if you have anger or if you have any feelings, just that's why I like my my tactic of don't send it to them, send it to me. I can help you work through those and process that instead of it going to someone who's going to fight you then financially. (laughs) Obviously, access to resources and money is part of what turbocharges these type of what we would call it nasty divorces. But do you think after doing this for a while, it's also just maybe a function of the identities and the personalities of the parties who are ultimately this successful? I'm going to honor that question for a moment and just pause because when you get to a certain level in life, if you, again, if you are born with it, it's very different than if you created that wealth. There's a lot of emotions in both. So I'm not discounting either. But however you see yourself and your identity financially is being brought into the relationship. You both have different identities. You both have money issues or behaviors or patterns that you both maybe haven't addressed. You've been married for 10, 20 years. One of those parties, let's just say it's the male. That's what I typically see is working very successful on their own together. They're in that relationship, both getting to profit from that and have kids and and great relationship turns somehow bad for they're not working on their relationship with money together. They get divorced. That identity, if you haven't done the work, is still going to be there. So if you're the one who's always been working and putting the money out to get food on the table and you're making the millions a year, you absolutely are going to keep that same title in your mind of, I I have to keep doing this and I'm not going to give her anything because I'm the one doing all the work. There's a lot of thoughts that go into it that can be addressed, but it's not going to change unless you do the work and no one will talk about it in a setting if you just have one lawyer or two lawyers in the room with the clients. I don't know if I addressed your question correctly, but I love these conversations so we can take it anywhere you want. Yeah. I know when, so I went to a, an all boys military high school, a very affluent population. And a lot of the fathers were very much kind of alpha male, first generation type of guys. And what I saw in my life was when we started going away to college like it felt like everybody got divorced. I think my parents were one of the few folks in my network that that's have since stayed married. Is it still the case? Are you still seeing couples saying behind the scenes, Hey, let's just get the kids to college and then we'll take care of our problems because we don't want to mess them up. Or has that mindset changed over the last 10 or 20 years? Still seeing that. And I think you can talk about that in a lot of different ways. A lot of people have different opinions and that is still very prevalent. There's one case where I just got involved. So I did not, I was not there in the beginning eight years ago, but they have been going through this mediated divorce for eight years trying to just keep it going, but keep it steady, not really get divorced, but work through stuff until the kids are in college. And it just, it seems like they've 
in my mind, and I will share this with them. So I'm not saying anything incorrectly behind their backs, but it's eight years of your life that you're not living for yourself and your children are also not seeing the really rambunctious and beautiful side of you if you're going through that for so long. So everyone's going to make their own decisions and couples do things for reasons that they believe is the right reasons. So to each their own, but I would assume that the culture is changing And so, I mean, I've seen plenty of divorces come through and they're doing it a lot faster. So it's not always the case, but it is still there. Absolutely. Waiting until the kids are in college. I've come to believe myself that money has an energy associated with it. And depending on how it was made and how it's used and how people think and talk about it, it has different attributes and it's certainly an accelerant, right? So if you had relationship issues before you had the money, now that you have the money, that's only going to exacerbate those issues. Maybe not even within the context of divorce, but just best practices for financial hygiene for relationships before things get out of whack. What are some housekeeping tips that you would give to people listening? We could go a lot of places here. The first is the same I'm going to always say is communicate. So sit down at least once a month if you're in a relationship, if you can. Even if it is that alpha powerhouse male, he's been the one working and we have the typical women staying at home, raising, let's just say it's a two and a five-year-old at this point. So you've been married for a while. You haven't talked about the finances. Actually being able to sit down once a month And I like to keep everything short because that's how we keep things in growth mode. We actually do it and create a habit. So 15 minutes, sit down for 15 minutes and just talk about where we at financially. Of course, we're doing really well and we don't have to ever worry about money, but the affluence just pressurizes the anxieties in life, right? So just like you're saying, it, it creates a huge ripple effect that's even more complicated for people of wealth. So 15 minutes, if she can understand just, okay, we have a few accounts. What does that mean? What is the custodian at TD? And what is the custodian at Schwab? What do those mean? What is that? And if you can just have 15 minutes of talking about where the money is, maybe next month, talk about what the custodians mean. Maybe next month, then you're sitting with the financial planner just via phone call or Zoom, making it very nonchalant, easy and just talk about where the money is at. I think that would really alleviate a lot of the anxieties in, in both parts because it's not really in my mind fair for the, I'm going to keep with that traditional female male, for the male to have to do all the finances all the time. It would be nice to bring in the other party so they can really relate in a deeper level. It really brings you together if you can do this work now. So that's some of the tips. And so just knowing where the money is, understanding the money and both being on the same page, communication is key. And then of course, as you're saying, like the prenups, I mean, just have those conversations, talk to the lawyers, talk to the professionals. <laughs> well, and, and that's where I was going to go next is I advise people you should get a prenup. And there are things that exist called post-nuptial agreements, which are also can be really useful and powerful, especially when circumstances change. And so what I tell people and what I found from my own experience is going through the prenup process really helps educate you about what your significant other thinks about money, what they think is their stuff versus your stuff, 
how they view what's going to happen to the children, right? And so these force those hard conversations to occur. And it's well worth, in my opinion, the five or $10,000 it costs. And I even tell people, especially if one spouse has more affluence than the other, just give the other one a stipend to have their own third-party attorney represent them so that they can have a very transparent, confidential conversation with somebody that's representing their interests. You may not be able to have much negotiation because you don't have much leverage, but you can at least have somebody explain the deal that you're going into. I think that's really money well spent. And again, on the public service announcement side, when people push back on a will because they don't have any stuff yet early in their life, when they just get married young, maybe, my response is always, well, being based in Nashville, you really want an elected judge in Tennessee to decide what happens with your stuff and your kids. Okay. Have fun with that. I mean, that'd be like my worst nightmare. So these things that seem really big and scary, I think can force these kitchen table conversations otherwise might not ever happen. And make it fun. So for that, those conversations at the kitchen table, make it at a winery or make it at some resort, like go on some kind of little getaway weekend. If you need to start the conversation that way, it does not need to be difficult. It doesn't need to be scary, but it does need to be had if you want a successful marriage in my mind. And I love that. Yeah. The conversations you're talking about, especially, I mean, it doesn't matter your scale of wealth. I hear that all the time too. It's now, you know, that do you want the States and the government and judges to make your decisions or do you want to make them? So just have the beneficiaries on file, get a will. It's not that much money. It makes sense. So the excuses of you can't financially do it or you don't have time don't work with me. <laughs> so I like yeah. that you have the same thoughts there. A hundred percent. I had a, a very close friend died unexpectedly. He was young, mid thirties. They didn't have a will. And his widow had to undergo probate huh. in a state where creditors were allowed to see the inventory of the estate. And so she started getting phone calls and unsolicited emails from people who wanted to buy his stuff. And it was all public record and public knowledge. Mm. It's just awful and just a horrible ordeal to have to go through. But you know, these are things that when you're 25, I think you're going to live forever you don't really go through. So I think this has all been really helpful and useful. I want to also call out the fact that you don't actually manage assets. You're a third-party consultant that's brought in to, to deal with these situations. And so you're not conflicted in terms of giving advice, but you can kind of be the quarterback to bring in the right personnel to solve these issues. If people are going through some type of process or situation When's the right time to bring you in and how is the process of bringing you into these type of situations? I'm always an advocate for preventative work <laughs> so in my personal life and in business. So anytime you can have conversations before something is actually truly needed is the best. So typically I'll have a consultation. I mean, I love texting, email calls. It's so easy nowadays and I'm, so I'm always available by if I could have a perfect world, it is you work every day, a few hours a day. It's so much fun. It's easy. And that's the world I live in. So if it's, you know, mornings, evenings, weekends, I just make it easy on clients. And so having a consultation makes sense. And then 
whenever they need help, it's really up to them, but preventative. So sooner than later, and it just depends too, because I only work with a select few a year. So I'm not the best fit for everyone. But if I did a consultation with someone, I'm happy to refer out. That's majority of the time it's, hey, I'm not a good fit for you. <laughs> so I'm going to give you the best person in the country or the world, whoever it may be, for whatever reasons you need them for. I and mean, that may be just as simple as a prenup or a therapist or someone in the wealth management industry that you need to manage assets. So I'm just a good starting block, I think, for a lot of, a lot of folks out there. Olivia, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. A topic that's a little uncomfortable, right? Nobody really wants to go there. But within family office circles, most of the time, the real conversations are about, hey, we're having this internal family dynamic and divorce and the the prenup are the squishy conversations that people actually want to talk about behind closed doors. So I want to thank you for being open and honest about how you work with folks and what you advise them. If people are interested in engaging with you, we'll make sure to include content information in the show notes. But what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? On my website, thesummerhillfirm.com. It's very simple. So <laughs> yeah, usually yeah. it is the professional reaching out, not the direct client. So, And the website's great. You've got some really good blog pieces up there and some good advice and content. So definitely encourage people to, to check out the site and we'll make sure to include that as well. Well, I want to thank you for the time and, you know, Best of luck and keep fighting the good fight here, which can probably be draining, but it's important work. So I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of The Capital Club. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please like, rate, or leave us a review and stay tuned for our next episode coming soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.